0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, I'm joined as ever by Ruth. Hello, Ruth, how are you?
1: Doing good. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you very much. I'm good. We are joined by a very special guest this week. Uh, we are joined by Mark Evans, who's the head of the international department as the uh, of the FAW and is known by many, of course, as Dial M for Merthyr. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Mark. It's a pleasure
2: to be here. It's a great night in Merthyr, so I don't know where else to go. So here I am.
0: <laughs> we, are, we are very grateful. And... Um, I think that the first question we kind of want to ask is, we kind of kind of can probably have a bit of a guess about some of the things that you do. Um, but what is it kind of a, what is it that you actually do on a day to day basis? Kind of what is a, what does a day look like for you?
1: I mean,
2: uh, the term international department is a bit of a misnomer. I mean, basically we are sort of a bent management team to some extent. I mean, basically, we do my department and head uh, up. We do everything apart from the actual sporting bit of it. I mean, we the travel, the hotels, the, the protocols, uh, the COVID protocols have been uh, driving us mental for 18 months. Um, so it's, it's everything behind the scenes that feeds into the t- and crossing the white line. Fingers crossed in the best um, conditions. So obviously we are higher. We are part of the sort of the HR for hiring all the staff that the coaches want to bring in. So but I out day to day stuff me varied. I mean this morning I was doing a um, a visa invite for the Albanian football team, you know. Um and then we then it was then we were talking about the Moldova Wales and the twenty one kickoff time. Um can we move that? And um, we can. Uh, so it's, it's just it's just everything really. It's it's a really mixed bag of stuff that just goes on behind the scenes. So um and it goes from Kitman right up to you know, the physios, that that the, all that comes under the international department.
0: Do you have a role with the women's team as well?
2: No, not specifically. I mean, I'm head of the department, so I have an overview on the budgets and stuff, but we've got in the department of uh, an excellent uh, young lady called Siobhan Humphrey, and she deals with the women's teams and in particular the women's national team very well. And, you know, she, she's... Um, so conscientious with it, it's unbelievable. She, actually, you don't want them hear it, to be honest. You know, she just, just do it herself, uh, and she does it really well. But I'm—I I am an overview. I mean, uh, for example, when the home when the women's team play play at home, I'm the match manager, so or a colleague of mine, but usually me. So when we play at Leckwith, for example, which is you know a, a tricky venue sometimes, you know I was the one who took on the venue stuff when Chavon deals with the team, and again the travel, the COVID, you know Chavon would be doing that, and she does it brilliantly
0: know, she's one for the future um i know ruth has got a lot of questions but i'm just i'm just, uh, just going to jump in and then i'll pass on to you Ruth. I promise um w- with all the stuff at the minute have you had any kind of dealings with um obviously there's the match that the, the, the match is coming up uh, against albania and the in it being a test event do you have a role to play in that and also like potential test events for the for the women coming up as well
2: yeah i mean yes and no um the issue, the thing with the test event is, it's the stadium has been tested, not the Welsh FA. So it's just the, the fact that the teams, the players, will be wearing red shirts instead of blue. But yes, obviously, we are the team, we're the people who bring the, the, the event to the stadium, and we have to put the game on uh, under UEFA rules because it's a centralised TV game. Um, so yes, we 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 have 100% involved in it, and all the code of conduct, all the, the tickets in, you know, that comes under us. Um, but but the test on the event, will ninety percent will be against the stadium. So I mean, which is which is the challenge for Cardiff City Stadium? You know, because we're gonna do we're something we're doing it differently than Swansea doing, for example, and Newport are doing. You know, they've got different grounds. Cardiff City's got a map print, so you know we we're gonna use the the outside and the car parks as part of the concourse. You know, because we want to make it a true test event in that. As many people in the ground that we can safely do under the regulation. So, you know, um, the Welsh government mentioned four thousand in a week, but to be honest, behind the scenes we work towards six and a half if we can. Oh wow! Um, that, that's the true event figure. If we can, if we can, you know, make sure that uh, that could be six thousand, that could be six thousand five hundred and two. It depends on the on the configuration. Um, Cardiff City Stadium is is second in London, and, and again, I'm very I think, we're very um, grateful to play in that stadium because it's the best stadium in, in in Wales for what it does, and I I probably mean that over the uh, Millennium Stadium as well because it's it's quite a dynamic stadium. It's been built obviously and, and progressed into when the host Premiership games. So I mean, for example, if 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 you come to the game and there's six of you in the pod in the pod or four of you when we allocated the tickets, the ticket. The dynamic algorithm, which I always think is a good name for a band, dynamic. <laughs> um, we'll spot the next one in whatever the distance is. So yeah, there's a lot going on with it, um, and, and you actually you actually pose uh, a good question with the women's team. And we are looking to host um, a game in June, It'll be the last sort of prep for Gemma to get into the World Cup qualifiers now in, in September. Yeah. So yeah, we want and we want to test this. Because we want to get fans back into that as well. Now, at the moment, the, the sort of the favourite, the host that is probably Parker Scarlet's, uh, which, which is um, which, which we've used before, as you know. Um, but again, they haven't had a test event yet, so I think we could be pushing, hopefully, against an open door to get fans in there as well.
1: That's fantastic. So, is that a very deliberate choice, Mark, to to try and have a different event, a, a different location again for that game, if it if it comes off?
2: Uh, no, but to be honest, no, it isn't. I mean, the problem is when we're in a really weird time of, as everybody knows, mm-hmm. and and we run into the grass pitches, um, and Parkerscown's got a deathball pitch. I mean, we, we wanted to play that earlier on. Um, the game that was in Leckworth. the Canada game was <laughs> ballots. Um, right. Then the rugby have, picked, have chosen another one of the you know, crazy caps, the rainbow. Cups. <laughs> They, they have, uh, and so we couldn't do it. So, Parker Scars is always something we would like to use. Um, but uh, this is probably more luck than judgment, really, on this one the fact that uh, the Scars have another test game. So, maybe we can get one, maybe we can't. We're looking for about June the 15th. You know. um, again, and that's not an issue but because, again, that'll be the stadium being tested more than ourselves. Yeah. What are the protocols like? Are they able to sell tickets, etc., et cetera? Et cetera.
1: While, while we're talking about tickets, obviously one of the contentious things recently has been tickets for, you know, our folks going to Baku, our folks going to um, mm-hmm. Rome. The situation with people that had tournament tickets that have been cancelled and that sort of thing. How much of that has been thrown back on the on the FAW to sort out? Have you basically just been handed a hot potato by UEFA, Mark, to sort out? Well, uh, I
2: think I think the one thing you to realise is that we're frustrated with everybody else it's just the tournament is going at the moment because it's very difficult to get a solid um answer off you if i not and I'm, I'm not being too critical of you because i understand that they they're trying to put on a in well venue 11 venues or whatever it is now um and with all the each of the sort of different rules and regulations so we, we we've, we've been doing that ourselves you know um in entry from baku into rome our advanced team won't go now. Our advanced team will come from the UK, so we'll have two advanced teams, in like that. So the ticketing is just part of that. Um, I think, I mean, everybody who, who's probably listening to this knows Lucy Mason, who's the ticketing guru. Yeah. Uh, Lucy knows you yeah. a fan personally. You know, if you're in the red wall, Lucy knows who you are. <laughs> she, knows who you, she knows who your dad is, and she knows what your favourite drink is. So, so that, that relationship, I think, has helped us, because I think people... I like to think people trust us mm-hmm. to deliver the answers that we can try and get for them. Um, we're a small organisation, but you know, um, we've been doing this for a long time now, and I think we can get back to people. But you know, it's, it, things change all the time, and you know, it's, it's, I mean, this is always going to be a. Let's be honest. This this tournament was never going to be super fan friendly anyway. Yeah. Over and on top of it, and it's probably n- n- never going to be fan friendly. So um, i got friends of mine from Merthyr who have gone out to Baku, they're they determined to go, you know, they've kept their tickets. Um, I've been to Baku recently for some visits, the stadium is magnificent, I was, I felt comfortable in Baku. I did feel comfortable there, the, the, the people walking around with their masks and stuff, and people were very sort of um, cognizant of the rules, you know. Um, but then for Italy, at the moment, we're still working out whether there's a quarantine, and are they going to change the rules on the 1st of June. So, Ruth, I mean, it's just a very awkward situation where you know you get a bit of clarity, um, and then the next day changes again.
1: Yeah, and in fairness to UA, for a lot of that is being led by individual government decisions, isn't it? So they're they're yeah. they're having to react to what an individual, uh, you know, Home Office decides at at various locations as well.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, we, what we've noticed in Azerbaijanis is that they, they are really able to get the storm on in Azerbaijan. It's a massive event for them, and they've been, I've got to say, they've been fantastic w- w- working with us, you know, everything we asked for they, they do. We're building a ma- bloody big marquee, and they went with stadiums for our, for our training, etc. and they've been really helpful. Um, Italy have been a little bit more problematic because I think they've had issues with their government, you know. I don't complain about the issues they had in the very start of COVID. I think they've, they're very risk-averse. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Italy at the moment, you know, is it is it a five-day quarantine? Isn't it? Are they going to open up on the 1st of June? don't know. You know, I think that's going to be a late one.
0: I think that's the unfortunate thing for a lot of people, isn't it? Like, obviously, uh, as much fans as it is for, for you guys who are trying to kind of put something together in that in that kind of environment must be really, really tricky. I mean, uh, I, I, we want to obviously talk about the euro 2016 a little bit but yeah it feels like in terms of how you've been able to set up I'd imagine would is probably like a marked difference in terms of how settled you were on Dinard compared to all the different locations you're going to have to use in the in the in the coming tournament
2: yeah i mean i uh, i mean we never going to repeat france in the best possible world you know we're never going to repeat france it was just a, a perfect storm of of joy and happiness really <laughs> you know whenever uh, and the france um, but, no, I mean, in one, in one extent, we've we actually been quite lucky, I mean, because we went to the, work, the the draw and we only had two choices. Either. I think it, was, it was Baku, Rome and uh, Copenhagen, St Petersburg. Um, I like I, I fancy St Petersburg because it's a nice place to go. But when it was Baku, I think a lot of the other countries were like, oh, sorry about that. And we were like, no, that's fine. We've been there so often, yeah, you know. I mean, I, I think half of our fans are, are paying taxes in Baku because if you get <laughs> often, you know, so it's, it was an easy choice for us. And I think that the, the his pictures fell well for us. Yes. You know, and then one, and then on the and back was home. So it hasn't been that difficult. Um, but again, you know, in Dinar, you know, we were up on, up on the hill. It was a beautiful place to be in. Players went down to, down to the beach and had an ice cream. And Dave Edwards and Sam Vokes had a kickabout on the beach. We're not going to be able to do that in, in Baku. You know, we're not, we're, not, we're not going to be able to walk up the, the door and meet whatever fans are there. We're not going to do it. So it's going to be really, really... A, the polar opposite of France, just in the, the sort of fan content as well, you know. We're not going to be able to re- replicate what happened in Bordeaux when the think of Wills was outside. I think there's more people outside the hotel than was in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... I mean, I, 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 I'm getting goosebumps now. Mm. Because Bordeaux was indeed. amazing day. And however well we do, and obviously we all hope we do it's never gonna be the same as France. So that. really
0: how how did you What cho- what
1: led what? To, to Dinard being chosen, Mark? What's the process that the, I mean I, I appreciate this time around is different just because the tournament regardless from COVID the tournament is different. But but assuming that you were looking at a situation like Euro sixteen again, what's the process that got you to, to Dinard?
2: The process with Dinard was, um, first of all, I mean, when we went to, go to Baku, there four choices of hotels, and two of them were rubbish, and one we already stayed at. So we're using a brand new hotel for a fresh approach. So it was quite an easy slip into me. When we went to France, you had, I think there over 60 hotels on the UEFA catalogue. And to be honest, we wanted the catalogue. No, we're not in the same position as England and Germany. I mean, the Germans famously built a wing of a hotel. But but not even they could do that. <laughs> um, so it was a question of going on. At the time, we we um, hired uh, hired, yeah, hired. Um, German called Adrian Bevington. who A lot of people remember worked at the FA. Yeah, I recognise the name. Oh, yeah, he was the commerce person in the FA. Now he came in, and to be honest, a lot of us were like, "Ooh, what's this about you know why, why we why we bring this fella in?" But he he, he knows the game. I you mean, know? he knows that level because he knows qualifying. So we knew a couple of places in that. So we went on the south of France. We didn't fit what we wanted. So then um, Arsene Roberts and Chris Coleman um, went on a few sort of um, recommendations from Adrian Bevin to the um, Brittany and La Rochelle, that sort of sort of north-west part of France. And um, famously, Chris Coleman walked into Dina and just said, yeah, this is it. And he literally rang me from the reception saying, we want to book this one. I said, OK, you I mean, take it easy. <laughs> what you mean? Uh, One minute, this is it. I just love the place, and um, and to be fair to them, everything you touched in France was gold. So and perfectly, and, and you know, and it was. I think it reminded. I think it reminded us of Pembrokeshire a bit. We mm-hmm. feel you know that sort of seaside and up on the hillside, and and, and that. but I was it. Just inside knowledge, you know, there was a lots of options out there. Um, but I mean, ultimately, just using contacts, you know, and Adrian Bampton was really good for us because ultimately he was he was able to to tell us that we were doing okay, Because we were, um, you know, twenty four seven worrying about everything, you know, worried about door frames and whatever, you name it. I worried about everything, and he was able to say, no, oh, no, you're doing okay, you're doing okay. This is this is good. You've got a really good thing going on here, and um, and, and look, he could have been, you know, um, precious about things and all. He was fantastic for us because he was able to say, "Look, you're doing okay. This is this is a nice bit. This is going to work really well." And uh, and Dino was wonderful.
0: Can I just ask to go along with that? Obviously, it's very very. Different now because it's obviously all scattered. But has how well it went last time meant you're going to try and recreate the approach as best you can, even though it's in different locations? Or is it kind of a, a new, a clean slate, if you like, and we're, we're going to try something again, new, different this time, as as opposed to you know how the how the players deal with things, where they go, how they travel, and all that sort of stuff? I think probably best.
2: I me it's uh, it's a bit of a clean slate, but the players, um, and that's why. Joe Allen is so important. You know, Chris Kenton is so important. Wayne Hennessy, because they've been there before, so they understand how the tournament works. Really, you know, how, how the pressure is, and uh, how, we, how, how you know how different this is going to be for the, for the for the reasons that are self evident. You know, um, but we, it's it's a bit of a clean slate. You know, we are building a marquee, like we did in Dina, but that marquee is going to be based at the, at the, in the in the training ground. You know, um. And we'll go there and we'll do our stuff. And in the afternoon, we might come back and use it as an outdoor area because, um in the hotel, we can't leave the hotel. But we want the boys to get out of the hotel and see a bit of sky now and again. So, whereas the one in Dina was more of a gymnasium sort of proper, it was like a second like mini leisure centre. Um, um But the one in Dina, uh, in what in Baku, sorry, is going to be more or less the same, but with a bit more of a breakout area, so the players can go there. Maybe sit there. On a lounger and listen to music, whatever awful music they want to listen to this time around. Um, and uh, it'll be a bit, a bit different, but it's, it's, I think it, the whole thing is 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 way way different, you know. Um, and the plan is obviously we come back after Italy, you know, um, planning for what the next round is. And, you know, we might be going up the road to to Wembley, but we might be going down to Seville. So it's it's. Um, you know, and that's going to be a sort of back to almost like we normally do for a normal away day of out play, come back. So it's going to be,
1: you
2: know, it's going to be, it's a clean slate because it's totally different to France.
0: So there's no kind of set location for after the group stages then? You're just going to base yourselves in Cardiff and, and go back and forth for the games as and when we hopefully have them?
2: Yes. I mean, after the Italy game, we're flying back to Cardiff. So after the Italy game... Uh, up at the airport, jump on a plane, fly back to Cardiff, into the Vale Resorts, which, where our, hit, our pitches are, and um, we'll see what the next round holds for us. You know, We may, we may be sitting around a few days if we place wondering, fingers crossed, that Austria or did a last minute goal or something for us. <laughs> we just, we'll just chart it out then. We've got a charter on standby, so fingers crossed it would be, oh, we go into to Bucharest. Okay, we've got a Bucharest, let's go. Um, and the hotels, all the transit hotels are booked by UEFA anyway. So there's you no know, it, it, it's you know, UEFA put a lot of work into the events that that's one thing that, that we found in France is that UEFA don't let things fail. Um I mean, I've been having I spent two hours today in putting our calendar into their system. You know, when we eat all this stuff, it's it's amazing. So um that we'll come back, we'll train train at home and we'll fly. Uh, oh, we we took up in a bus to London. <laughs> oh. Oh, blah, 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 we took last time? Um, the, the boys, rain. We got, which was which was really good actually. Although although standing on the station in the rain is not a good preparation for the start of a trip.
0: <laughs> no, I can't but imagine that's going to do any of these. Bus. Uh, Ruth.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to sort of move away from the from the imminent. Mark, as it were, and actually look at your your time with the FAW. It's, it's been a long period. You've you've been with them, um, I'm over thirty years now, I guess. What's um, what do you think's been the biggest change in in, in your time with the organisation?
2: The biggest change, a couple of things. Um, I mean, the the biggest sort of change actually, as in the way. That, to was i mean it's, it's not one there's not one thing there's a couple of people that need to be mentioned i mean there's basically um i mean jonathan ford coming in you know changing the way we work you know that was a bit of a an adapt or die situation because that was really different to where we were working before so that sort of um you know, that mindset changed for me. and then you've got a gradual process from from brian flynn into john tasha and then Gary Speed and uh, I don't want to go too much over this but I mean the the change from John Toshak's last day I I love working with John Toshak he's a really great guy to be around and I think he's one of those ones who still doesn't get enough credit in in Wales for what his career has been but Gary Speed coming in was uh, was another revolution because we went from um, no sports science to the best in a day and that was, and, and again, it was it was it was a, a challenge for the FAW to keep up with these requests, because you, you know we, we, we went from um, sort of a mid-table championship team to you know to expecting to have the same stuff as Liverpool managed, and that's what we do now. It's very difficult for us because obviously the money is totally different. I think our, I think one our turnover of the FAW is probably a bit like Brentford's, you know. Uh, as, um, but we're looking to do work with the, the best football teams around. And that was the catalyst, was going to speed because then we were able to, to bring stuff in. You know, the, the people we had coming in from them was, was important. The way we set things up, it just literally, we, we changed overnight. It was, you know, I, I, can't, I can't sort of say it too much, either. it literally changed the way we did things um, in a day. Our first meeting was, Let's
0: literally tear it all down and start again he he obviously had such a such a massive impact Gary Speeds was one of my heroes I'm a, I'm a Newcastle fan outside of international football and for, to have a Welshman who's playing for Newcastle and obviously was so amazing and then came in and you know had such a positive impact and such a, a bright future obviously after what you know happened was awful that I think he has left and will continue to leave a, a legacy forever in Welsh football won't he?
2: Well, absolutely, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it is the fact that, you know, when Chris Coleman came in and, be you no know, tragic circumstances, you know, Chris uh, had a bit of teeth and problems himself then, looking to continue the way Gary did it. Um, and, he just, and he did it himself in the no of of debacle. You know, we, we that, that changed slightly again. There was another slight turn in the road with Chris Coleman, you know. But we, but we didn't tear it down again. We just rebuilt another floor, you know, we just did it, did it uh, another way. So, I mean, and I said, you know, I mean, if you're looking at a catalyst, then it's Gary Speedy. That, that, there's no other word for it, the catalyst. Uh, um, um, you know, and I have I looked back since. I mean, because I mean, the thing with Gary was as well is that he wasn't afraid to to change things, you know. I don't know if you remember the Australia game. Yeah. If you if, 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 Probably you want to forget it
0: probably.
2: Yes, I do. <laughs> so we so went in that game is unique. We, We'd come in and Gary, let's not forget, Gary was having a few teething problems, you no, know, because yeah. he changed it and some of the players weren't you no know, and that as as all new managers have. I went to the the Master Nive one trainers I always go to and they are the most boring things in the world. Unless you're the coaching geek, they are. But I watched this training session and it was amazing. The pace, the tempo, they're knocking it around, and it was, and I remember sitting on the bus going back to the hotel thinking, wow, this is it. the corner. This is it. That was, you I was entertained. Um, but the next day then, you remember the game, we were rubbish. We were sluggish, we were slow. Uh, it was just it was like chalk and cheese. And then that evening, Gary said, I'll be moving hotels. Oh, p- pardon? We want to move hotels. I said, well, what would you move a hotel for? because I want to, because I wanted to change it. So the players are not so comfortable. So we moved from the Vale Resort then down to the St. David's in the Bay, which was none too shabby by the way, and I enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> but, but that was part of it, the part of not accepting things. And I don't know. the Vale Hotel was fine. And we <laughs> back now, it's a fine hotel, but I can see what he was saying. It's just, something else needs to change. Change the, the dynamic here. We had to change the, the scenery, the environment. And we did. And uh, you know we started winning games, and not say that was the reason for it, but it just shows that Gary Speed, you know, was wasn't afraid to just, as I said, tear it down if he has to. Um, so th- those those were sort of interesting times, and you know, and I think we've taken that on now. We've still got the same um, background stuff. um we're working as we have with Gary. Gary, you know, if you say something, you've got to say it. You know, you have to say it. There's an issue you raise it, um, you know, and Chris Coleman was was the master of that, you know, and it's the same now, you know, you know with the coaching staff. Now, you know, you have you, his you, you, every as he's at his uh to speak, and at the end, all the coach says, Right, we're going to do this, everybody does it. Now, that that started with Gary Speed, and that sort of that sort of way of working. Um, I think somebody described it once, is that in New Zealand, the all blacks have something called. Stabbing the, the bearing you know, on the back.
0: Mm.
2: And that's more or less, well, that came out of that. That dynamic of just always challenging each other. And it can be, it can be brutal sometimes, you know. You know, um, if you don't step up to the mark, you know, you get called out. Um, but the results well speak for themselves.
0: Uh, just one more follow-on from that. It, it is, uh, we often kind of hear and talk about that Chris Coleman made kind of he decided one day, I'm, I'm kind of doing it my way, and and that was the the what he says kind of started to turn the corner after the, the defeat to to Serbia, which is again yet another game I'd wish to wish to forget. But what what in in your mind do you think was the thing that kind of did it for him, where you could start to see this is this is happening now, this is going somewhere.
2: Oh, I mean, it's still a long way to go. Um, I still I think one the, the surprising thing that I think we all found. Um, I'm not sure he's gonna answer your question, but you know, after Novi said he knew he had, he had to go back and just think um there's certain things that he wanted to do and he wanted to do and he, he should do them. And that's right, because at the end yeah, day whatever happens, he's the one that has to come tell us after the game if we lose and He has to explain himself. Um it's not it's not the Andorra game, I think, where where people thought this is it's the next two games, the games after the Cyprus and Bosnia so. Bosnia Thirty thousand people turned up. That was, and I don't, I don't know on. You know, we get great crowds, but we won't have been great crowds then, just about fifteen thousand. But we just managed to stumble past our Andorra. Let's be honest, you know. Uh, and we sort of on that, on that, on that absolutely outrageous pitch, by the way. Oh, so with you here for good now. They think I've forgotten, but I'll keep branshing <laughs> about it. Um, and then thirty thousand people turned up. And there was the, like, great, fantastic. Thirty thousand people turned up, and it was just—it's it it's almost if like the whole country. Suddenly went, yeah, okay, we fancy a bit of this, and because you know we uh, genuinely we weren't ready for that crowd to turn up. That night. there's a lot of um, uh, we got um, got to get in town city great state and we got everybody in and everything's fine. A lot of people missed the anthem, um, but you know it it's sort of suddenly moving with Chris very quickly. And then when they started to move, you couldn't stop it then.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ruth, I'll, I'll hand back to you.
1: Yeah. I, I wanted to ask about the, the challenges and the rewards of, of your role a little, Mark. It's, it sounds like one of the, the challenges is what you've just been expressing, the way that you, you had to do a 180 when Gary Speed came in. What other hurdles? have there been along the way, and um, what, what have been the compensating rewards for you personally?
2: Personally, I mean the whole job. The whole job is a challenge. The big mentioned before is the fact that we are, have got to make sure the players are the best. But on a, we've we got, we need to provide them the, cha- the champagne lifestyle. that but, but yeah. And it's working with that. I mean, that's the, the challenge. That's always the challenge, and challenges also. We, having to say no sometimes, you know, and that is part of the role, saying to the coach or not, can't do that, or I can't afford that, because, you know, I mean, I'm I'm between the two, I've mean, the, got the, the, the Epidemic Council, or the, the shareholders, whatever, there, and then there's the national team, and there's me in the middle, um, and that's all right, um, all the councillors are football fans, I and mean, I see those do well, but the challenge is just something making sure that, you no, know, there's reality in some of our decisions. And that's the the biggest sort of issue at all times because you know I mean coaches like spending money. And that's all right. If we win games. Um, and there's always the new new toy that they want to use, you know. We've had cryo machines, we've had everything, you know um special water, we've had we've had everything that happened at the time. You know, we've had cool downs and warm ups. Well, actually, warm ups now is called um, um, activation now. Okay. So, so it's actually. It used to be just warm up, and that called active. <laughs> so, so all these things come around, and you know, I mean, sometimes you know you've got to just temper um, people's expectations. So that's that always will be, you know. And um, I mean, but but the the rewards. I mean, the rewards are just I'm a football fan. That's what I do anyway. I mean, you know the rewards are I'm just watching, um, watching us play well and watching us do well. I mean, the, I mean the rewards are just, just literally being part of something. A privileged position. I mean, my dad worked in Hoover's factory for thirty years. Okay, on a on a on a press. So every time I got my dad, I like moan about something. You know, oh, dad, you know, just calm to do this now. Oh my god, that just tells me to shut up. clown. You've got an amazing job, privileged job, yeah. Tough. And this as long as I was. But you know, I pressed I pressed a button and pulled up the lever thirty years ago. And you know what? He's right. He's absolutely right. You know, I'm in a privileged position to something I really love to do, um, in a sport that I love anyway, and you know, along long hours fine no problem throw them at me it's no problem We, as i said before but with the i got a people, amanda smith uh you know, the lad we serve, but these boys are, and boys and girls around us lucy mason are fantastic people you know they make things happen you know our media department you know i mean it's, it's, like, it's like watching them um, like hollywood movies come out every day cause, you know and and, and but, it's, 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 but it's a joy being part of that you know again that's that's so much i I remember when I first joined, it was Terry Orroth, Peter Shreves, uh, Ron Stiffel Kitman, and Dr. Graham Jones, the doctor, and me. Five of us. You know, lug- lugging bags of kit everywhere. Great <laughs> times. I loved it, you know. Boy of Council of Stating Merthyr, sort of stumbles into a job, ends up doing it, loves it. Now I, now I sit back and I just see, see it, the t- transformation of the FAW. There's so many clever people in the FAW you now. People need to know many young people, eventually I'm going to have to stop doing this, because, you know, I'm getting old, but there's so many people there, and the, the, the FBW is in save hands. I don't think i, I answered your question, by the way. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're all right, you're all right. And I just want to go along with that, like I, you mentioned a lot of the backstage people there. I Like Ruth and I met in a, in a school in, in America when we were working there and we were on a school trip we were organizing a school trip and kind of at the last minute 6 weeks to go tickets to a match we were going to go and see kind of fell through and uh, obviously at the same time we were we were at the trip was in in the UK so managed to get in touch with uh, a few people and eventually got put through to Lucy and I was like I know this is really unlikely because it was the <laughs> Republic of Ireland game um but there's 56 of us coming from Boston on a school trip uh, <laughs> is, is there any chance yeah. you can help us out and she was absolutely amazing and um you know great. sorted us out great tickets so it, you know there are so many great people I think a friend of mine who who I know reasonably well I haven't seen him for a while Pete Barnes I've, I'm sure he'll be um, yeah, upset I'm if he hand doesn't hand get a doesn't get a shout but is it how like you you talk about these people who th- there must be so many of these people who are who make such a big difference that we kind of don't see? Oh,
2: absolutely. I mean, I mean, Peter Barnes is a great, great example, you know. Um, all the people the, the Wild uh, and, and all the branding all that stuff, that's Peter Barnes. You know? The stuff we had in the rooms in Dinar, that was Peter Barnes. You know, and um, just, just, what a creative guy, you know. Just, give him the free hand as well, coffee boy, mate, you know, and he, he would just make things happen, you know. And, you know, Lucy again, you know, as I genuinely, she knows everybody. Uh, so, I mean, and, and I think we've I think we've always had that because Wales is a small country, as everybody knows, and it's, just, it's the country of um, villages and communities. So, everybody knows each other anyway, you know. Um, it's sort of everybody knows each other, there's, there's a degrees of separation, you know. Every, everybody knows each other. It's like when you go on holiday. When you go on holiday, you always meet somebody from Merthyr. That is a <laughs> fact of life, <laughs> you know, that is a fact of life. I think we've that's instilled in Welsh people to be helpful mm-hmm. and to go the extra yards for your fellow Welsh people. Um, you know, and, and I Lucy see, for example, fifty-six people. Uh, yeah, okay, then all right. You know, is it is the Republic of Ireland the game? Are you sure? Both <laughs> <laughs> games are grim. You know. <laughs> but, oh, but that's no, yeah. I love the wonderful people in the FAW.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, if there's any consolation, some of those American kids thought they'd been to sport before. And, you know, I was saying to them before you go, like, you've got to be careful. You can't say stupid things. Don't jump up if Ireland score and think you're being hilarious. And they were all f- full of, uh, you know, full of American bravado, as you can imagine. And we kind of got in there about 15 minutes before before the anthem. And obviously that the anthem that night uh, before, you know, that was the last game of the campaign was absolutely unbelievable and i can remember i was ob- i was close to tears anyway cuz i'd obviously not been to a wales game for a while living living in america and i remember kind of stood there like trying to hold myself together and there about three uh, three kids in the rows just in front of me turned round and just went fucking hell and i was just <laughs> not normally i'd be annoyed at you but yeah you're absolutely right you think you've been to a sports game until until you hear welsh people sing the national anthem and then it's uh, it's very much a different kind of fish then isn't it
2: yeah <laughs> What we've got now, we've obviously now, we've got the controls, we use um, the recording of the fans against Hungary, and it doesn't make a difference. You know? I know it's weird, nobody in the ground is really strange, but the anthem works. Because if you close your eyes, you can actually you know, think the fans are there. yeah works.
1: That, that leads me to a, to a question, Mark, in terms of the very the very special relationship we've, we've got as a nation between folks that are on the pitch and folks that are off the pitch and and as part of the diaspora i can i can even feel that over here um so what what do you think we're getting right that actually makes together stronger work as as a as an faw and a, and a wider footballing community
2: well i mean at the first part of together stronger when we launched the the players got involved with their us asking them they sort of got it straight away, and they, they sort of, with, the, with their social media, they got that straight away. Um, I think I think playing a Card City, and you know, I won't, won't agree with this all the time, because we do, would like playing Wrexham, and it's an ongoing thing. Fingers crossed that the gateway project comes off, and we can get some improvements here to play games. Um, but I think Card City's become a bit of a fortress for us, you know, and I think people come there, and they... And they, they in a way that it's not a academy stadium anymore, it's like a wheel stadium. And I think that's really helped with the fans, with the players, because it's part of what we do now, and the players are on the pitch understand that as well. And don't get me wrong, winning games helps. 100% it helps. But I mean, I think, you know, all of the players um, understand what it's like for Wheels. I mean, look, IG, Ian Hickman, for example, is great on this. You know, we've been to Abervan, we've been to... Uh, remember the Sunday events. We've been in towns with Singh Henry disaster, Gresford disaster. You know, we've done things, and IG will also explain them about the history of what we're doing. So, I mean, th- no, th- th- there's more to um, playing for Wales than just kicking a football, and you know, they've got that. The language is really important because everything we do, you know, you can see everything. It's Cymru, it's not Wales, it's Cymru. That's important, and the other players sort of pick up on that. And, you know, again, back to Peter Barnes, and the branding, and the cool bit. Um, I was going to say cool Cymru then, but I don't go there.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I think that, that and people can, can buy into that, you know. I mean, and it goes back to, um, you know, Tim and Spirit of 58. You know, it would be very easy for the FAW to launch their own brand of clothing when we went to the France. And that would just be probably what we should do. But we decided not to, because why wouldn't we? Most people of an iconic brand now. You know, everybody in Wales owns a bucket Act by now, surely. <laughs> has a bucket act. You know, you um, know. So we we'll have to get on with it. You know. So I think there's. I don't think there's any one reason why that, that strength of feeling is there. It's just I think everybody now enjoys it. It's colourful. It's vibrant. Going to watch Wales is fun. It's always been fun. And there's always like a hidden secret. To going to watch Wales is always fun. And then. The football will start there and was bring everybody back up first. But now that's different, you know, fabulous players coming through, you know, new young Nico Williams, you know, these young players who are, you know, I, I wanna see see them play. I wanna see them play. You know, um so there's there's lots of little strands in there. But I think the main thing is though, is is, is the, the brand is not a false brand in that, you know, we've created something together strong ways obviously from the from the motto to start with. You know, the, even our colors now are based on, let's be honest, on Spirit of 58. Looks exactly the same as them. So, you know, we are, nobody's pushing against each other. We are, we're sort of embracing everybody and saying, all right, we'll do it then. Barry Holmes, you know, check on the stands. Saying, okay, off you go, mate. You know, um, all those things build up, I'm going to be a bit cliche now, build up a wall, little bricks in the wall. And, and I just think it works, you know. Um, yeah. It, no, I just think we, we're getting to the stage now, I think, where we are putting down a sort of a legacy for the future years, because you know, we're a small country, at some point we're going to have a, a couple of lean years maybe, but I think that that sense of, of, of belonging within the team now is going to take us to you know, be, be a big, solid base now for the future.
0: Is that a big part of kind of big decisions coming up? Obviously, you know, Jonathan Ford, you mentioned earlier, he's he kind of needs to be replaced soon. Is that a big part of what what will lead to replacing him in the sense of building a legacy for the future off the pitch? Because as you said, you know, we are going to have some lean year again, lean years, sorry again. Is that a big part of that person's new job? Is to make sure that we engage people so that we we don't go back to having you know, f- you know, five five people in an empty Millennium Stadium again, sort of thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, I mean, the Millennium Stadium experiment for Spain was—I uh, think—we discovered that was um, a bit of a disaster, to be honest. Yeah. Not just a Swansea in the pitch; it was just we didn't—we're we, not—we're not there at the moment, and um, we may never be because it's a different environment, it's a different atmosphere. Yeah. I think the new chief exec coming in is going to, have a, it's going to have a great opportunity to relax a bit because I think. The, the thing runs itself at an international level. There's lots more challenges in the domestic game, probably. Lots more challenges with money coming in because TV things are all changing, you know. But but the international game it, it's almost sort of it's like a club, uh, and you know there's, I think the, the opportunity with the international game is not to worry so much about it, you know. Just as long as we keep it, um, as long as we keep it realistic and keep it Welsh, it'll work, you know. There's no, there's no reason to, we, we don't have to learn from anybody else about the everything because we, this has grown organically a lot of it. But put it to fifty-eight, and the fucking that, we're on the table when we're losing every game we play. You know, you no, know, they they earned the right to send silver their merchandise to the fans because the fans believe in it, and that, and and that's going to continue. So all these sort of stripes have been earned over the years. So I think the Welsh football. Experience is, is is um has earned its, its place in Welsh people's hearts, and you know and, and it's up to us not not to, not to ruin it basically, you know.
1: So just I, I think the use of organic is really important there, Mark, because it has felt a very natural evolution. Yeah, yeah. You know, from you know my my first games were watching us play in Wrexham in the in the mid eighties, and I look at where we are now versus versus that and. A lot has changed, but not much has changed either. Actually, you know, the passion is still there. the the um, That chip on our shoulder, but in a good way. That's all still there. It's it's just it's become sort of embedded and established in a way that gives it some, hopefully, some longevity and some stability. Yeah,
2: but, yeah you're right. Look, I mean, it's it's always there. It's, it's something to happen. To, bring it all together Look, the, the rivalry thing that's you know we don't we don't always vigilant you know um in Dublin a few years ago was with our finest that way but you know we, we're pretty good with that now fans self police themselves now. I mean, you know we, i mean there's no issues because somebody in the crowd will say oh man we don't do that anymore no we don't do that anymore that's not us now and, and the fans self-police and that's just the, the greatest way of doing it, anything you know our, we have a police call goes with us all the fans know as well and even their 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 role is to softly, softly approach, but having, having soft, you know, talking to people. All these things are sort of coming together because of people's sort of attitudes anyway. I mean, I mean, the Wrexham bit is interesting because you know the best women's game that I've seen recently was when we played Estonian Force. Yeah, atmosphere yeah. was incredible. You know, a lot of young kids come to the game, but again, though, know, but. It, and, but it, there's a crossover between you know, the Red Wall into, into the women's team now. You know, they're, they're playing some great football, doing some good stuff. You know, um, the Estonia game in the race course was, was an incredible evening. You know, it's such a fun, a young atmosphere there. And, you know We just need to do that again, you know. Like Covid stepped in and ruined it all. But there's, there's a lot of stuff going on there. there there's a crossover. You know, between the two teams now,
0: um, it works really well. I mean, look, looking looking forward to the to the Euros uh, as as we all are now in the in the coming weeks. Um, there's a few kind of things that always kind of strike us as fans i think as being entertaining shall we say so for example the uh, the big thing that came out of the the film after um, after 2016 was 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 ledley and hennessy you know obviously very much enjoying a bromance looking like they couldn't kind of leave one another's side um do, do, you know, is that something that you kind of take into account when you're doing this? Like, I assume you kind of organise the room pairs. Are there, you know, any some some odd couples that you think that work, or how, how does the, how does that kind of play into it?
2: Yeah, it's different, it's different now because we use we single rooms now because of COVID. Oh, so not well, right, are so There's groups of players who are very close to each other. You know, the, the Hennessy Ed Lee romance is gone. <laughs> Hennessy is now with Gareth Bale. Now that's oh. they they talk about golf all day long, and just they just love each other's companies, you know. So I mean, there's that. But you've also got youngsters as well, love that. But it, you know, you you have got different age groups, board and everything. Um, but you, yeah, you've got a few of those sort of sort of odd couple of people, you know. I mean, the, one, another one of the ones in the in Dino was o, um, Owen Vaughan Williams and David Vaughan, you know. You know, they literally were the old couple. big old women. <laughs> Yeah, you know so you, you, you're always gonna have those little, um, things you know you go, I mean I mean Danny Ward and you know, there's another character you know, Danny Danny and Tom Lawrence you know I don't know what they get up to and I don't want to know <laughs> you know they, they just you not know, pay the jokers in there, you know and Danny Ward calls me tree beard all the time I don't know it's to bring this thing I don't know you know so I mean but there's there's, there's characters and there's some people who are really quiet. Um, you know, take that into account. You know, um, you know, and we, and we do set the corridors up in those groups. You know, and, and again, back to colleague, colleague of mine, Amanda. You know, she's um, she's bringing that setting up the groups and how how they, how they fit in the corridor and everything because you know they all back and forth. They all play computer games with each other across the corridor. You know, worst thing that happens in, in any football team. only one thing that causes the crisis. The Wi-Fi goes down. So <laughs> <The> what? Wi- <laughs> it is chaos. I just, in you know, time as long as the Wi-Fi works, nothing phases them. Nothing. The basketball football team. As the Wi-Fi goes, and then at the end of days, then to the end of days. That's how long. No, that's not good. No, I. I they The team has been together okay, so long. It's, it is a club environment. That's a cliche. It's a club environment. They come in. They want to be there. We've got players coming in when they're injured because they like, you know, we look after them with our medical team. You know, we've got that stage now. We're trying to push people away. No, they can't come down. (laughs) Legs broken. You can't come in. On cue with that one, you know, in that stage now. And uh, and that's a great place to be, you know, that's a fantastic place to be, you know, because people want to support the wheels and, you know, we've we've got players everywhere.
0: Um, obviously, you talked about injuries there. We talked about it very briefly before we started recording, but obviously there's some injury worries at the moment uh, uh, with with Ben Davis, Joe Allen, and Ethan Ampadu are the, kind of the big three that everyone's talking about. Of course, Tom Lockyer as well, and there's some, some questions over, over Dan James. Can you give us any positive insight to to make us all feel feel glad that they're going to be okay in a couple of weeks? Well,
2: all I can tell you is that all five, all, all five of them are in the squad. Go to the Portugal for down, Town, and that's fine. And Joe Allen, as far as my aware, is... Happy, happy as larry some lockers in Cali for the moment training with uh, sean Connolly, our head physio and now uh, sean Connolly was the one who got Joe ledley ironically <laughs> yeah. what I, what i just said with a broken leg <laughs> played. Um so sean broke some miracles then and see what he can do um we don't think it's that much of an issue to be honest uh, ben davis is, is one of them we need, we need to get him back down to us uh, but we're in for quite a long time you know, we, we, we'll be in camp on Wednesday of this week um with the EFL lads. On the Sunday, then the Premier League boys will after us, we'll go off to Portugal for five days. Then we'll come back. We've got another week. Then we've got two friendlies in France and Albania. We've actually got a long run in, and we've we've had it. When we went to France, we we had sort of three separate camps with gaps, but well, we can't do that now because we can't send the players back out of the bubble. They've got to stay in the bubble. Right. They're going to be in. the Period of time. So, so the one there's, there's two disadvantages of that as well. Some, you know, people being in for too long, but not much we can do about that. But the advantage is that we will have the player with us to work on. So, you know we will have a, a long run in to the tournament, um, and our medical team again, fabulous people. So, um, I think people should be should be optimistic.
0: That is very good news. I'll be honest with you.
2: <laughs>
0: Over there. <laughs> No question. Go on, Ruth.
1: Mark, I wanted to ask you some some wider questions because obviously you stood as a an, an MP for, for Plaid Cymru. Um, in yeah. when was it? Last was it last year? I'm losing losing the dates now. Um, yeah. the last and year, and I was I was listening to an interesting talk you gave at a at a yes Cymru presentation in Merthyr last year when you when you described Football is politics and obviously yeah. recent events have meant that football really is politics at the at the moment. Um, what what are your thoughts around recent events, ownership issues, the protests at Manchester United, that sort of you know, just where we are at the moment?
2: I mean think football and politics. I about it it's about how you run a business, rates, all that stuff. It's all to do with politics. And it's just how your club is perceived is political as well. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm a Merthyr Town fan. Uh, I'm 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 actually currently the, the vice chairman of the club at the moment, elected by the members to go on. You know, I do not know, Murdertown is way different to Manchester United, but the principles should be the same about how a, 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 a club is run. And you know, and I'm, at the end of the day, fans are, cliché fans are the ultimate stakeholders because those people will be there forever you know my my dad took me my son goes now my grandson will go to Washington but that's how football works it's a family it's a way in. but I, I just think the fans are it's, it's strange isn't it? the, the bigger the club the less the fans are involved it seems to be that way and you know I, I don't sort of I don't blame the manager fans for you know, getting sort of political getting for agitating because Ultimately, you know, this has been going on for a long time now, as soon as we mentioned, United, for example, and ownership. And not not all foreign owners are bad. You know, there's lots of good examples of uh, of owners you who know, bought benefits. to I mean, the City, I think, is maybe maybe one example of that. But the only reason where you can get things to to happen is by being political, by being by agitating. You know, you can argue all day long about the, the benefits of you know breaking into the stadium and trying to delay the buses but it has brought to the attention of the authorities so you know otherwise because the media, media ignores it otherwise it's not too. you know listen to the story uh, and we won't have to do this stuff you know and i i and i've always just thought that i mean when mertha was in trouble we had a, an absentee landlord as a chairman you know and we not as sort of as the Manchester fans and other fans have done so recently, but we we agitated, and you know? we 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 made ourselves a nuisance so that we were able to take on the club, and we did. You know, again, we're talking 500 fans in Murthorpe is way different to Manchester, but I think the principles are the same. Because if a club goes like Bury, it goes. You no, know, and, and and nobody's too big to fail. Enough answered your question. But I mean, I thought I thought, of politics and independence,
1: but yeah.
0: Go
1: on, Ruth. Carry on. I, I wanted to ask that actually because I think I think Cymru as a team and the FAW have have become quite a kind of um, under the spotlight a little bit from within the sort of independence agenda, uh, the increasing talk about independence, the the um, rising percentage of people that are at least in favour of examining it. And it, feel, it feels like Cymru and the football side of things have, have, have become a bit of a focal point for national identity. I, how is that felt from your side? And does it put a pressure on, on the FAW?
2: I, think, I think It does put a pressure on the FAW. I mean, you, you've mentioned my politics because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an internationalist. Or I'm, you know, I want wheels and the wheels, I want wheels to create its own identities, its own way forward. Uh, but all people, obviously a lot of people in the country don't agree with that uh, and you know when we, we've had the the football fans for independence marches it started which is getting bigger and bigger and more colorful and you know we've actually before covid came we were going to have a discussion with them about them changing their route so we can actually facilitate the the, the march better because they got too many people on you it. know it's too successful um as it were so we need to work out how they can still do it but um uh, safe safely you no know, but that, 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 that started up sort of organically. And that, was, that was, would have been said that up. we're quite happy to facilitate it. You know, we're quite happy. But ultimately, the, the very nature of, of, a, of a national football team is a nationalist um, sort of, uh, identity construct. You know, we are... And, and also, we remember, now, this is football. you know, played in every country in the world, you know. You know, I like my rugby, um, but it's a different... Sort of of, you no, know, there's a different sort of um, identity there with the beef, you No, know. but Gareth Bale um, is is known in every country in the world. You know, the so Wales when we went to France. You no, know, the whole world saw us, and they also the whole world saw us as a unique, fun, outward-looking, sort of um, liberal sort of people who just wanted a have fun, and you know, and that's what they. And that for me is that like what Wales is like anyway. When when I live here, I think that as well. So our fans reflect a lot of those values, and uh, that Wales has deep, deep in its psyche, for you know, being progressive, being out, being loud and silly and fun and colourful. That is Wales, you know. You know, we we don't take ourselves too seriously. To be honest, we don't take ourselves seriously enough, half the time. But you know, that's where we are, and as the football team whether people like it or not, is will always be be that because it's the football team. It represents everybody. It represents diaspora. It represents you in Oregon. It represents you in The Hague. This is your team. Because you don't have much choice. You're Welsh. You are stuck with it. You know, and uh, we want to make you proud. So that's by that very sort of act of putting a red football shirt on, that is showing people that you are we are a unique country. We wear red. This is us no, it's, a, it's a ultimately It's a nationalist construct by its nature. So, ultimately, a football team can't help but being part of that. You know, I mean, TGB. You know, people were really upset about that. You know, you know it's the background still with the women's team and everything. Okay, but you now we, we have you no know, real issues with Team GB and the four because people were getting really, you know, angry about it. Uh, you know, I'm worried and you know, people don't weren't identifying with that, with that um, idea. Um, so, look, I mean, I think the 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 Indie Curious bit, the yes, come read I spoke with that AGM. That has come kind of about because people are changing. The youngsters coming through now. The COVID um, pandemic has helped as well because, you know, Mark am would have done a, a slightly different path. You know, he's, he's got good cred- credibility. You know, we saw better results in the election. You know, I think, a lot of that was the, the, the Drakeford effect because you know, because he has, you know yeah, you wouldn't even really want to be stuck on a lift with him, talking about cheese all day. <laughs> but I respect him for looking after, you know, the country, you know. I'd much rather his handling a bit than the the clown in Westminster, you know. And I think but again, you know, so all these things are bringing people to think on oh, there. The Labour Party might not like this, but by them dealing with things correctly, is she still turning that independence wheel? Think, oh, Actually, we didn't do it too bad there you know. So, all these things come in, and then the football team success has just just been a vehicle for people to just show
0: part of the way of of, of, of being Welsh to the world. Um, I don't know if you've got any more questions, Ruth, but that seems like a a, a perfect place to finish, especially talking about Welsh pride. There, I, have you got anything else, Ruth?
1: No, I have a, I have a question for for Mark, but I'm going to do it off air. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I'm intrigued by this. I'm definitely not going to stop recording. But uh, yes, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, for, first of all, thank you very much for your time, Mark. We really, really appreciate it. Your, your openness and honesty, and uh, and very entertaining as well. So we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for your time.